you would, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this series. I believe that even in my own life, I, literally as I was driving in this morning, uh, I, I come in here pretty early to get, just to get prepared and pray. And, you know, if, if the Lord wants to just shift something. Uh, but I remember driving here and I said, Lord, I don't want this to be a sermon just for them. I want this to be for me. And uh, I want you to know that this sermon isn't just for, for, for you as a people to help you. But this sermon is going to be for me. Everything that I'm going to preach over the next four, five, six weeks is going to be for me as much as it is for you. And um, because I believe that we can all get a new grasp of who we are in Christ. Amen. I know that it, sometimes who we are in Christ, it, it, can, be so, it can be so overlooked and, and at the reality of what, what does that really look like? What does that look like to be a person who knows who they are in Christ? And so I hope that over the next several weeks that you get a new grasp of who you are and that, that what you see in the mirror may not change, but what is inside of you begins to change. That your spirit man begins to enlarge and the confidence and the faith that God puts in you enlarges. Have you know that when you really start understanding who you are, you don't change externally necessarily, but your faith on the inside changes. Things that you didn't think you could do before, you step into because you say, I know who I am in Christ. Amen? And so I had to start at the genesis, the origin of who we are, right? I think that it would, be, it, it would not be as beneficial if I started in, at, at the cross and then begin to identify you. What I want you to understand and see is who you were before the cross, who you were in the beginning. In the beginning, you were something significant. And I think that we can so easily get lost of, of our sin man. And we can say, man, we are just, you know, like that song that, was just, that we were just singing, Amazing Grace, how wretched am I. And, you know, this, this mentality because we've sinned. Can anybody ever sinned in here? Let's see how honest the church really is this morning. Any sinners in the house? Okay, cool. I'm talking to a good crowd this morning. Good to know. Good to know. I was going to just walk off the stage if no one raised their hand. Drop the mic and be like, I'm going to another church. Uh, But how many of you know that it is so important to know our origin, our genesis, right? And so if you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And and I want to read a couple of verses. I'm actually going to start in, I'm going to read verse 26. And uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28-ish, somewhere right in there. Just to kind of give us some context for this morning, all right? It says this, then God said, who said it? God said it. Pretty important keynote to, to mention right there. That then God said, let us make human beings in whose image? In our image. So you are an image of God. You are the image bearer of God. And then he goes on and it says, to be like who? Like us. So now there's three things that just happened there that it's like, holy cow. Like, for, think about what you think about yourself right now. And if you were to write down who you think you are, that you're a failure, that you're pathetic, that you have no gifts, that you have no talents, that you have none of that stuff. And then you cross-examine it with that passage of scripture. The enemy just lost. Anyway, I'm not even preaching yet. This is just the beginning. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on 
on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Is God trying to get something to us this morning? Like we've read Genesis and it's like, oh, we just skimmed over that. Jesus is trying to reiterate five, six, seven, eight times who you are. We're in, we're in two verses deep. And then he goes on, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you, God, for us becoming image bearers. God, that you created us in your likeness. You created us, God, in your image, God. And, Lord, we, we receive that this morning, God. We take your word. We think of your word, God, never returns void. So, God, we thank you this morning that it will accomplish, God, what it was intended to accomplish, God. We thank you, God, that your word will fall on hungry hearts this morning. God, that it will, that it will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. And, Lord, we pray more than anything that you be more famous this morning than you were yesterday. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Man, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. I started thinking about that, and I thought about this whole thing about logos, and, and I began to process this thing. And so I wanted to play a game with you before we start. Is that cool? Everybody like games? All right, cool. So what you're going to do is when you see this logo, you're going to tell me what it is. All you get is the logo. You don't get anything else that it may be titled. All right? So here's the first one. What is that? Instagram, but it doesn't say it. Okay, the next one? Nike. Just do it wrong. <laughs> it's just do it. Uh, Apple, okay. Come on, crowd. You got the whole front row. This is the amen row, <laughs> obviously. Come on, all of you in the back. Okay. That's Walgreens. It's supposed to be upside down in red. <laughs> I'm kidding. Disney, okay. Ah. All right, that's it, right? Okay, so <laughs> we got to end on reach surge. That's the best one. So, so what's the point? My point is this: is that that many of you look like that. That you you have allowed the enemy to strip you of who you are. But notice that no matter what, you can take away Reach Church. You can take away Nike. You can take away Instagram. You can take away, you can take away Facebook. You can take away all of those things. But you are still who you are. And that the enemy has spent so long trying to take away your identity and trying to de- rename you and trying to, to, re- re- to rebrand you. But you are still a child of God. That it doesn't matter the past you've had. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what you've walked in and what you've walked away from. That because it has the emblem of Instagram, you are Instagram. Because you are a child of God, you are a child of God. And so many of us, we allow the things that have happened to us to take the label from our lives and say, now we're not, we're sinners. Now we're not a child of God. Now we can never do anything for Jesus. I don't even want to walk in the church because I can't measure up. But God came and he, he came and he created you 
not based on how good you would be. God created you on the potential that he knew you could become. And so many of us have allowed the mistakes and the decisions that we've lived our lives in. And it's this, this, this mindset of, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to get back to this place that God has called me to. And I want you to know that that's an absolute lie. That you were able to, exa- that what you guys did is what God sees you as. As soon as he sees you, he says Instagram, Nike, Facebook. And he's able to just see you are destined. I know you. I formed and fashioned you. I created you so I know you. We've got a game in over here. We'll get you guys warmed up in a minute. So, so he goes on and says, then God said, let us make beings in our image. Do you realize that you are an image bearer of God? You see, you see yourself as something different. Let's be honest, and this morning, if someone would have came into you, came in here, or you would have been out at, at the mall shopping or whatever, and someone would have asked you who you are, you would have identified yourself as either a mistake you've made, a problem you've created, a job you work in. You would have identified yourself as something other than a child of God. And this is what the enemy has worked on for thousands of years to re-identify, to put you in a different class than you really are. So what my question is, is, is for you is, how hard will you work at becoming a child of God again? How hard will you work at allowing God's word to trump over every mistake, every decision, every situation, every wrong choice, every insecurity, every failure? So you have to work to, to, to get back into this image bearer mind, the mentality. Because when the bills don't come in and you say, I'm a joke broke, right? That, that's what we do is we label ourselves with a deficiency, even though the Bible says that you are an image bearer. Right? But God says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Be like us. Hold on. You mean to be like God. God told you that you are like him. So, so this, is the, this is the crazy thing. As I was studying this, you go through Genesis 1 and 2, and you see that Jesus spent, God spends five days creating, 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 creating for this possibility of creating an environment for day six. Why didn't God say in the beginning he created He created you and me first because God doesn't work that way. God creates an environment for people and then he puts them in the environment because God loves you so much. He would never put you in an environment that wouldn't help keep you in a position to to recognize who you are and to sustain you. And so God spent five days creating an environment in a world so that when he said, breathe into the nostrils of Adam and he woke up, he woke up into an environment that would sustain him. And so many of us are living in a world that no longer sustains us. And we wonder why are we losing the image of carrying our lives like God? Because we've gotten into the wrong environment. How many of you know that if I take an orange seed and it's a good seed, it's been, you've taken it to the seedologists and they've taken it and they've checked. It's good. It's a good seed. 
And then you put it in good dirt because it's a good dirtologist. They've studied the dirt. I don't know what those people are called. I'm just saying. And they've checked the dirt out, and the dirt is good. And you put it in there, and you come back, and you find out it's not grown. They say, sir, you're in Alaska. See, this is the problem with so many Christians. This is the problem with so many of us trying to be image bearers for Christ is that we are good seed and good soil in the wrong environment expecting an orange tree to grow. And until you put yourself in an environment that sustains the godlike nature in you, you will never understand who you are in Christ. I am preaching way better than y'all are amen this morning, but that's okay. See, so many of us are trying to live an orange tree life in an Alaska environment. But God created an environment for you. He spent five days creating it. Why would we choose to ever live outside of that environment? This is a crazy thing. Everything's crazy in the Bible, but you know. It goes on and it goes through here, verses one, chapters 1 through, through 2. And every time that God created a day, he said, and it was good. After everything that he did, and he said, and it was good. Day one, he created the heavens. The the void was void, and he filled it, and it was good. Then he brought light, and he filled the earth with water, and it was good. And then he created the animals that scurried on the ground, and he did all these things, and he said it was good. But you know what? When he got to day six, he didn't say it was good anymore. I started thinking, I was like, what the heck, John? You know, God, I mean, hello? You know what he did? He blessed it. He gave everything else. He told everything else it was just good. But on day six, whenever you and I were created, he said, this one is blessed. In other words, given the right, the authority that he has. He gave you his authority. So so now not only did God say it was good and created an environment, now he blesses you and me and anoints us with authority. And that authority is only as good as your willingness to submit to it and to walk in it. So what's my point is this, is that you are only as secure as you are confident in your identity in Christ. Look, you can be an image bearer of Christ, but without the security, you will never walk in it. See, there's this thing called ambassadors And ambassadors, they can be in another country of the United States, and they could be in another world. And whenever you meet them, they have the same authority that we have in America. Understand that the Bible says you are ambassadors for Christ Jesus, that you have the ability to walk in an authority that that doesn't matter whether other people respect it or not. It is yours because you come from this kingdom. And when you understand that you are an image bearer of God... You begin to walk in an authority that says, man, how did they get that strut? Like they came work the other day. Their head was down. They were, they were moping. Some of y'all are going to walk this week. They're going to be like, man, that dude's got a new walk. He's got a new stride, a little pep in his step. Because he learned he has some authority on this earth that, that this world does not define what God is calling him to do. And the only way that you can walk in a new dimension is by a new mindset. You have to understand that God has given you this new mindset. So good. Then verse 28, just so you know and understand, it says, then God blessed them. Just so you can see it. 
God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals that scurry. What did he give them? Complete authority. Yeah, how many things does this, does this Bible in Genesis 1 through 2, chapter 1, does it give you that you don't have authority over? Find it, please. What has triumphed over you right now? What, what is trying to reign over you right now? Because it wasn't, given, it wasn't given authority. If it's fear, whatever it may be, it was never given the right to triumph over you. The Bible says only the only thing that he gave any authority to reign over was you and me. Well, I know that was lost when Adam wrong. That's the, that's the enemy. That's what the enemy wants you to do is to buy into Adam's sin. And that we're just old sin. We're old Adam's. We're sin, we're, we're bound to sin nature. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to buy into. Because if you buy in to the reality that you are an image bearer of God in Christ Jesus, that you have the same authority that Christ had on the earth, you would begin to walk in a dimension that people would be getting healed, and people would be getting to, you would begin to walk in an authority that other people would say, man, I've got to have this, I've got to know you. And so it's Satan's, it's, it's his assignment to re-identify you. And many of us have bought into that. We've allowed the enemy to, to re-identify who we are in Christ. Look, external, the whole thing is he gave him all of this stuff. He gave Adam and Eve all of this stuff. And I want you to know that that didn't allow them to not fall. What's my point is this, is it doesn't matter what you have been given that those things don't secure your identity. We can so easily allow external things to try to secure an internal thing. You are an image bearer internally. There's very, we don't look like God necessarily in, in, in some senses externally. We carry the image of God on the inside of us. Now I want to go through this story here in a minute. And I want you to see something that I feel for me has been um, life-changing in the sense of how the enemy really works. And at the end of the day, insecurity, right, it's, it's real. Did, did anybody walk in here with just an ounce of insecurity in something? Right, insecurity, we all have some sense of insecurity that at the end of the day will convince you that what you have, you don't have. Right? Right now, the enemy is convincing you of something that you had that you don't have. For one would be authority. That you only have authority if the pastor does something. Where's that in the Bible? Please, chapter, verse. It's not. Because you have the same authority that I have. I have the same authority that you have. But at the end of the day, we are all prone to insecurities. God made you in his image. And to to get our minds wrapped around that, it's going to take the next 15 to 25 to 35 to 45 years to ever really get that. I think that is our assignment in life is to, to work out what does it look like as a believer to be an image bearer. I think that I think that at the end of the day, that's part of our assignment is to continue to live out and walk out what that really looks like. Right? But God gave us an illustration of what it can be like in the Bible. 
He says this in chapter 2, verse 25. I hope I can get an amen on this. And it says, now the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Imagine that. If everybody came to church today, (laughs) naked and unafraid, right? That is who we really are. And what does that show? We read that. What does that show? That shows that Adam and Eve had no insecurity. That shows that that Adam and Eve were as confident as they could possibly be. As secure as they possibly could be. It means that they were vulnerable. And they were in relationship with God. That they were naked and unafraid. Unashamed. Not not afraid of anything. Not afraid to come to God because of who they are. I think that's a key thing that we've got to learn that we can go to God who, with who we are. Those weird questions that you have, those, those frustrations that you have, naked and unashamed. Can you go to God naked and unashamed? That is a provoking question. Because so many of us, we limit our access to God based on how we feel. But feelings will lie to you. Feelings will degrade you. Feelings will steal your destiny. Naked and unashamed. That is the goal to be an image bearer, is to be vulnerable, transparent, real, and honest with a God that loves us. Right? Then we turn to the story that we all Regret, chapter 3, verse 1. Everything's been going great. Adam and Eve have been living life, riding on lions. You know they were riding on lions. I mean, I'm a lion lover. I'd be like, dude, we named him. We're going to ride him. Take me to Eden. Right? Hold the mane. Come on, Eve. You know they did that. Would you do that if you could ride a lion and him not eat you? Onward! (laughs) Eve, get your own lion. (laughs) We're not sharing. Can you imagine the conversations? (sighs) Oh, man. You chose a cat over a lion? They didn't make cats. Those came from the fall. You do realize that. Come on, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Cats. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. This is the thing. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she knows the truth. She knows what God spoke to her. She knows that she's had this relationship with God, and this is what God has spoken to them. Doesn't seem to be any any, any, uh, 
lack there, right? And then this is the issue, verse 4. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened up as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. I begin to think about this story, and I put myself in this situation. And I begin to process some of the emotions that I would have been feeling at that conversation. And imagining that I knew God like I had ever, ever known him. And then all of a sudden, this conversation is brought to me. And for the first time, I feel like God held back on me. I felt like there's this insecurity of God, but I thought you told me everything. Right? Imagine, imagine the situation that Eve is hearing this conversation, asked this question asked her, but now, no, 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 that's not the truth. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened up as soon as you eat it. In other words, that you will get something that you were supposed to get the whole time. That you're lacking something. Has the enemy ever used that on you? You're lacking something. You didn't get everything you were supposed to get from God. He robbed you of this one thing. I know you got a lot of stuff. I know you got all that. But he robbed you of this one thing. And I I begin to think about how the power of insecurity has played a huge role in our identity. How insecurity came in for the first time in that moment. And where they were so naked and unashamed for the moment. That first moment where they were like, hold on, God. I'm processing something that, that I've never processed before. Did you really hold something out from me? And then it says this, the woman was convinced. Because that's what happens when you're not convinced. When you don't have a convinced, when, when you're not truly solidified and confident in your identity with God... You become convinced that an insecurity that may be in the middle of your head, even though it's not a reality. Because what Eve was being told was a complete lie, but because of the insecurity that she began to feel, she grabbed a hold of it and she said, okay, I'm convinced of the insecurity that I have inside of me that's, that is not lining up with the identity that I've been told I am. And for the first time, she feels this insecurity, and this insecurity begins to rob her of her true self. And I wonder how many of us have allowed an insecurity that you can't measure up to social media. Newsflash, you're never going to. That you're not going to measure up to a person who's living their highlight reel, and you've just began yours. You're never going to measure up to something, and the only thing you can do is in the middle of that is you embrace your insecurity or you embrace your identity. You have to do one or the other. And as long as you don't understand your identity, insecurity becomes your reality. So God is asking you to re-identify yourself and to say, now, did I tell you who you are? Because God told them who they were. They were, they were naked and unafraid. What changed from then to there? Entertaining a thought that should have never been entertained. Instead of doing this, this is what she should have done. She should have said, hold on, I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to God because we talk a lot. God, 
I'm feeling this insecurity and I need you to come in and I need you to reconfirm my identity because I'm feeling insecure. But what do you say I am? And so many of us, we buy into the lie and we've already bitten the apple or whatever fruit it was before we've ever went to God and let him speak into who we are. Have you bought in to the lie? When's the last time that insecurity that you felt that, you know what, you're not this or you're not that. You don't have enough money. You're never going to be a good enough dad. You're never going to be a good enough mom. You're never, look at, look at what's happening. And instead of allowing those insecurities to become a reality, you have to grab a hold of God and you have to say, God, reconfirm my identity. Look, at the end of the day, insecurities become your reality when you lose sight of your identity. Many of us, we've lost sight of our identity. I remember when I first got saved, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I began to tell people that I received Jesus Christ. And I never worried in that moment about insecurities. I never, I never thought once about what I lacked. I always thought about what I had gained. And I think, what's changed? Like, what changed from that moment that I said yes to the cross? What changed to where I am today, 20-something, 30-something years later? What's changed? My willingness to hear things that I shouldn't be listening to. That's what's changed. I've allowed thoughts. I've allowed emotions. I've allowed feelings. I've allowed insecurities to become something that, that have been actually entertained. And in that, I give God... I shut God out and I give Satan an opportunity to convince me of something that isn't a reality. Verse 1 through 5. It goes through all of this. Verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be opened up as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, your identity reinforces where Satan distorts who you really are. And God is wanting to reconfirm. He's wanting to re-identify you this morning. Over the next six weeks, for some of you all, this is going to be a tough six weeks. Because you're going to have to cast down thoughts that you've been embracing for 20 and 30 years. A decision you made in your teens. And the enemy has used it to identify you and manipulate you. And you're going to have to spend the next six weeks allowing God to re-identify and reprogram who you really are. And if you don't, then you're going to continue to live in the mindset and live less life than you really are called to live. See, what you don't think you are, you you won't keep fighting for. See, most of us, we've lost our worth because we've bought into the insecurity. And so when you don't think you're worth fighting for, you just simply stop fighting. And if there's anything I could say this morning, I pray that God will give you your fight back. That he will say, I'm willing to to show you who you are if you will begin to fight for the identity and the son and the daughter that I call you. But you've got to get your fight back. See, insecurity disillusions the confidence of your identity. Have you ever had Coke 
you put a Coke in a can, it's got ice in it, and you, right when you drink it, it's super strong, and it's great, it's refreshing, but if you let it sit for 10 or 15 minutes, that Coke is never the same again. What's my point is this, is that when God speaks to you, you've got to receive it as soon as you can, because it's the strongest when you first receive it. If you allow it to be disillusioned, if you allow it to be watered down, before you know it, you've bought back into the lie of the enemy. Yeah, you're right. I don't deserve that. Yeah, you're right. I'm never going to be worthy. Yeah, you're right. I'm never going to fulfill my purpose. Yeah, you're right. I don't even know why this church lets me come. If they knew my past, that's why this church is here because we do know your past. But we know your future too. Amen. And see, you can clap. Golf claps. Don't even do it. Just do it. Let them them go. Like, let's practice real quick. There we go. Yeah. All right. That's. When you agree, you can just put them bad boys together. That's, don't golf clap it. Just go at it. Even if you're the only one, just go at it. So, yeah, I got my identity. I don't know about that person next to me, but I get it. How many of you know that the goal of the enemy is to create the idea that God isn't for you? That's what he planted in her. He said, God is really robbing you of something. And, man, you are missing out. What's crazy is the very thing that he tells her, God had already told her. But see, when you haven't been around God for a minute, Satan's voice becomes real tempting. His voice becomes like this reality, like, wow, okay. Maybe you're right. But she was convinced. What she once saw as something to stay away from, the Bible says after she was convinced that she saw the tree and it was beautiful. So you have to be careful what you see as beautiful. Right now, the the world will tell you that this shape is beautiful. This height is beautiful. Those color eyes are beautiful. That hair color is beautiful. That house is beautiful. That car is beautiful. They will define what is beautiful for you. But what they called beautiful one time, God said, stay away from. And you wonder why our identity is having a challenge here is because we are allowing the enemy to call, have a convince us to call something beautiful that God is calling ugly. To stay away from, to be aware of. And so we know that they fall, they, they sin, they, they realize that they are naked and now they really are afraid. And they begin to run and hide and God comes and he sheds the blood of an animal and he brings them back as the cross did in the New Testament. What he does in the Old Testament is it cost him blood. And then if you go to John 3.16, which we are, many of us are familiar with this passage of, of scripture thanks to Tim Tebow and him writing it under his eyes. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? And I think that if you really want your identity back, you've got to buy into that scripture. You've got to buy into it 100%. For God so loved me. Go ahead, instead of, instead of saying world, write in your Bible. I said write in your Bible and put me. And underline it, circle it, highlight it. For God so loved the me that he died. That for God so loved you, 
that he died, that he sent his son for you and me. John 3, 16, I'll read it. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to what? Judge, condemn the world, but to save it through him. This is my point. That the cross is the confirmation of your identity. Where you think that you lost it, God reconfirmed it in the cross. That where we think, oh man, we're just sin nature, we're Adams and the old. God sent his son to die on a cross so that you could be re-identified and remarked as holy, as righteous, as just, and pure in the eyes of God. Okay, golf clap again. Let's do it. Let's let them go. Let's let them go. There we go. Practice. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Good job. So, so God, this is the thing. This is the thing about the cross. Would God ever give up a value for a lesser value? Anywhere in Scripture, does God ever, is, ever, is he ever a bad steward of whatever he has? So if God sent his only son to die for you, He wouldn't have sent his son for lesser value. It would have been for equal or greater value. And so many of you have been convinced that the cross really doesn't mean anything. But what you don't understand is God is a God of stewardship. And God would never send his son to die for something less than. And so I want you to know this morning that you are are as great as Christ. Because that's why he sent his son. That God sent his son because he saw the value and the worth in you. And because he saw the value and the worth in you, he said, son, would you go get them for me? Would you go and redeem them back? Would you re-identify them? Would you mark them for who they really are? That they've gotten lost and caught up in the sin nature of Adam, but I want them to know who they really are in Christ. See, the cross gives back what you lost. In the garden. This is the crazy thing. Closing. You can stand. It's this. The enemy used a tree. To deceive. Adam and Eve. Right. And God used a tree. To put his son on. God could have used anything. It wasn't the crucifixion that identified him as a savior. It was the fact that he was willing to die sinless. But just out of the nature of God, and to let the devil know that where you thought you stole something, and you used a tree to deceive them, I'm going to go ahead and use a tree to redeem them. That I'm going to let the cross of Christ be put on there, that I'm going to nail him to a tree, and he's going to declare to heaven and hell, it is finished. That this morning, you stand in right standing with Jesus, because Jesus was willing to be pinned to a tree, and say it is finished. I'm giving them their identity back. I'm remarking them, I'm rebranding them, I'm renaming them as sons and daughters of a king. Look, this is the beginning of the next several weeks.
And I believe that your step of faith today is what will mark the future. That many of us, we don't know what our years are going to look like. We don't know what our future looks like. And you know what? We don't need to. We don't need to know every aspect of what God's going to do and what we're going to face and what we're going to have to go through. The one thing that God wants you to know is I got you. You are mine and you are marked as a son. You are marked as a daughter. Some of you are going to have to change the way that you think, the way that you speak, the way that you walk, the way that you talk. Because sons and daughters don't talk like that. Because sons and daughters don't think like that. Because sons and daughters don't do that. And as you catch yourself, that's not, you just begin to say, no, that's not the nature of a son. That's not the nature of a daughter. I'm allowing insecurity to triumph over who I really am. I'm allowing fear to to, to come in and re-identify who I am. And you're going to have to speak, no, I thank you that I'm an image bearer of Christ. God, I thank you that you would help me begin to think like you want me to think. And just pray that prayer. As things come, God, I thank you that you want me to think how you think. There's work involved. But man, imagine how you will live the rest of your life knowing who you are in Christ. This morning as we close, you say, I've struggled in my identity with Christ. Every time that I'm trying to go after the Lord and, and really wanting to have this new mindset, the enemy comes And he begins to try to remind me of my past. And I don't normally do this. But I feel like you need to take a step of faith. And if your past is behind you, it's in your chair, it's right beside you, I want you to walk away from it. And I want you to walk into your future. I want you to walk into your destiny. I want you to walk into your new identity. So all across this room... On the count of three, I want you to take your step and I want you to come to the front and I want you to say, God, I want you to mark me with my new identity. God, I want you to put in me, God, what it is. I'm leaving my past. I'm leaving my fears. I'm leaving my insecurities. And God, I'm asking you to God to realign my mind. I'm asking you to realign how I think and how I process. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to make your way up right now. If that's you this morning. Come on, everybody wants to do it. Just be the first one. Lord, you know every every mindset in this place. Jesus. Come on, you're farther away from your past than you were. You're farther away from your insecurity than you were. You're farther away from that fear than you were. Come on, if you would, just stretch your hands to heaven this morning. Father, you, you see every, every mindset, every fear, every insecurity, every past decision. And Father, we ask for a new identity this morning. We ask you, God, to re-identify us, to, re, to rebrand our, our minds. God, that the cross would become a reality 
of who we are. Father, I thank you this morning for every life, for every mind being changed, God. I ask you this morning, God, as we leave, that you will remind us of who we are in you. God, I pray that guilt would be abolished. God, I thank you that that shame would have to go. Come on, whatever it is that stopped you, I ask you just to, to, to cancel it out. To say shame, you have to go. Fear, you have to go. Insecurity, you have to go. Come on now, as we sing this, I want you just to ask for God's love. Because there's nothing that reinforces your identity like God's love. And just allow the love of God just to overwhelm you this morning.